0: Good Evans, it's a Bobcast. Welcome to episode 43. I'm your host Bob Evans, although I also answer to the name Kevin Mitchell. Hi, how are you all going? I hope that if you've been on holidays, you've been celebrating Christmas, that it's been an enjoyable season and you've been able to spend it with the people that you love. Happy New Year to everybody. It's now 2021 and I feel given the last year we've had, uh, you know, the, the year that we've experienced globally, this new year feels a little more significant than most. I think despite the fact that COVID-19 cares not for our Western calendars, let's, let's be frank, um, I think we're all collectively looking for the new year to bring with it just brighter days, right? And perhaps a, a clearer path out of where we're all currently at um unfortunately things are still pretty murky to say the least uh here in australia whilst the ground underfoot is still a bit shaky we're seeing some things return back to life including live music although having said that with state borders going up and down and up and down all the time every time there's a flare-up real kind of proper national touring is still uh, pretty much impossible um anyway when it does become possible, I'll be able to go out and play some shows with my band, which brings me to this episode, which is very exciting. Yesterday, I spent the day filming a new video clip for a new song that's going to be on my record, which comes out in a few months. Uh, we filmed at the wonderful Bridge Hotel in Castle, Maine, Victoria. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, it's uh, it's reminds me very much of like the puntus club in melbourne for those of you who remember that uh or ever got to go to the puntus club it's basically it's basically like a super cool melbourne pub in castlemaine which is about an hour uh, north of melbourne i think the uh, locals i've heard of castlemaine as a town referred to as north northcote so that <laughs> probably gives you a bit of an indication of The vibe of the place. Anyway, they generously let us set up in the front bar and film myself and my wonderful band, and it's my bandmates who are my special guests for this episode of the Bobcast. This current incarnation of the Bob Evans band has been together since 2016, although some of the guys uh, have been playing with me for quite a bit longer than that. They are the guys who helped me make my new record. They brought all my songs to life in the studio last year. And they're just, look, they're just a great group of musicians and people. I love them dearly. So I thought during breaks in filming, I'd just grab them, pull them aside for 10 minutes for a quick chat. And this episode could act as a bit of an introduction to my bandmates for you all. You know, you're all going to hear them play on my record, hopefully. Or you've already heard them play on Born Yesterday. Um, Now you can find out a little bit more about these lovely people. So... Uh, You're going to hear from Ashley Naylor on guitar, James Fleming on keys, Richard Bradbeer on bass, and Lachlan O'Kane on drums. Don't forget, you can email me, goodevansbobcast at gmail.com, if you have any questions or ideas. Uh, Check out the Bobcast soundtrack on Spotify. It's called Good Evans. It's a Bobcast soundtrack. It's got all the songs that have been chosen by my guests uh, ever since episode one. Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it. That would be really ace and actually kind of helps me continue to keep doing this in a sort of roundabout way. Uh, Also, too, as I mentioned before, my new single, it's called Born Yesterday. Uh, You can watch the video on YouTube. You can stream it. You can buy it. You can hear it on the radio even. Double J and Triple M are both playing it. Um, I'm really proud of the song and I'm really, really chuffed at how well it's been uh, accepted by everybody and how warmly people have been responding to it. All right. I hope you enjoy meeting my band. Um, Oh, and you'll also hear a sneak preview of the song we are making. This is the video clip for... In the background, during this episode, there's a bunch of times where in the background you can hear the song being played because I was pulling band members aside to do this stuff and then they were filming like, uh, you know, might be filming an extra or getting some other shots that we weren't needed for at that particular time. So you can hear, the, <laughs> you can hear it in the background. Anyway, you know, it's all, it's guerrilla, as Ash uh, referred to it, it's guerrilla gorilla recording. Um, it's all very raw and live and in the moment and I hope you guys can, uh, you know, lean into that and enjoy it um all right that's enough of me talking um i hope you enjoy this as much as i did backstage at the bridge hotel in castlemaine victoria this is episode 43 of good evans it's a bobcast <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Ash. Oh, it's great to be here, mate. Um, we're at the uh, well, the Bridge Hotel in Castlemaine yeah. shooting uh, a video clip, so I thought this would be a good chance to um, just, like, a, do a, a meet the band. Oh, well. unreal. <laughs> unreal. Um, how, I haven't seen you since we finished making the record in March. so know. So how's, how's 2020 been for you? In a, I know it's a big question, but... Um, But yeah what are your sort of what are your sort of reflections on 2020 as we sort of enter into 2021 now
1: i think i just had to train my mind to get used to the disappointment of shows being cancelled and once i sort of reconciled that i just got busy recording so i upgraded my imac and dusted off my old inbox the pro tools and i've just been pretty much since march since i last saw you when you were finishing off I celebrated my 50th birthday.
0: Ah, oh, congratulations.
1: And thank you. And um, that was my last sort of public gathering. And then from then on, I just went underground and started recording and found a whole bunch of drum loops that Matt from Even had done at various times. Yeah, right. And I was making new songs out of that. And. Um, so,
0: is this stuff um, predominantly with the thought of it being even yeah, stuff? Yeah,
1: yeah. believe it or not. Like, um, sometimes it's hard to get us all in the one room, and this is the only way we could do it. Yeah. So... Just recently, while he came around to my house and did some bass, he did two or three days at my joint. And um, so, basically, I've been recording an even album at home. That said, I also recorded an instrumental album. at home Oh wow! Called Soundtracks Volume One. So well, it
0: sounds like you've taken the opportunity to to be creative, to flex your uh, creative muscles a bit. I ha- I have, mate.
1: Like as you know, when you're touring so much, you, you don't often get a chance to write in mm. inverted commas like. Um, because it was forced upon us in our industry, I think we've all had to um, take a sidestep, and, mm. and, and as you explained to me, your your load was pretty heavy with the homeschooling side of things.
2: Oh
0: yeah, yeah. The homeschooling thing was well, it just kind of it just kind of became my job, I suppose, for yeah. almost 20 weeks. Um, but yeah, I didn't find the lockdown period particularly um, inspiring. I didn't. I did a bit of writing, and I mucked around in the studio, but I think because I'd come straight off making this record that i have been working on for a couple of years, I felt a little bit like, oh, you know, even if I write something that I think is good, there's no chance that it's going to be able to be released for years anyway because of this record that I've just finished has not even come out yet. I don't even know when that's going to come yeah. out. But I do now, of course, but um, at the time I didn't. So I found that a little bit... Um, yeah, just just found that kind of not... Not to be particularly motivating but um but i did spend a little bit of time in in my garage just mucking around and, and i guess to put a positive spin on that it was for the first time in a long time where oh, we're going to hear a bit of the background of there the song. you go a bit of preview it was um the first time in a long time where i just wrote just for fun without an agenda of it yeah. like oh i'm writing for a record or, yeah cool um so similar to you in a way i was kind of I was starting songs with drum like not samples like just little drum loops uh, from my little drum machine Yeah, absolutely. and then instead of going to a bass or a guitar after that I was going to a keyboard or a synth and just kind of trying to build songs from a different place you know normally I'm always thinking melodically first and foremost so and it was just like it didn't matter what what the results were it was just kind of just playing for fun
1: well you might surprise yourself not having an agenda um, that those tracks might end up being something quite special to mm. you over time. Yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to the fact you've come off the tail end of it, a creative burst in this yeah. session that we all did together, which was fantastic, I might add, listeners. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it's almost... Well, it's nearly a year now, isn't it? it was like Ten months ago,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, it was the yeah, nearly a year. It was the um, first two weeks of March we're in there.
1: But I guess in our, in our line of work, Kev, Bob, you might... I don't know about you, but you just get used to waiting, like, yeah. You make a record, then you think, Okay, we'll only come out for at least six twelve months, maybe 18 months. And it used to drive me insane in the 90s. Like, we were signed to Rubber Records, who were uh, signed to BMG. So, not only do we have to jump through all the hoops with our label, mm. they had to jump through all the hoops with BMG. And it's like, I think our third album or fourth album, we waited it seemed like an eternity for it to come yeah. out. By the time it comes out, it's like do I actually believe in this music anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely a part that I find difficult. And this time around, it'll be yeah, well over twelve months between finishing the recording and um, the album coming out, which is definitely one of the longest for me. I think that's the I don't think I've ever waited over a year before. Okay, that's, that's pretty recording good. Recording and releasing. So, um, but yeah, I guess another positive spin to that too is that I had so much time to finish it properly. Nice. All the, all the things like artwork and um, all the video concepts and stuff like that. Like, I just had loads of time just to kind of be a little bit kind of picky and stuff, you
1: know. Which I like, think you have to be, and and that's yeah. the that's the beauty of being a solo artist mm. is that you've got absolute vision. You know, you've got the mm. vision that you must um, see through, which yeah. is great. So yeah, look, it it can be good having more time and now that I'm an older person I, 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 I adopt the philosophy that a good song is going to always be a good song mm. so mm. it doesn't matter if it comes out next week or next year sure. yeah. so yeah I think I've hopefully I've calmed down a bit um, personally over the last year or so um, look it's been challenging for so many people in our as we know we've got friends and family who've worked in health area my partner worked in health she ended up getting mm. COVID my son ended up getting yeah. it so this is in July so we were in quarantine yeah, right. within lockdown it was just mind bending wow Um, so to be on the other side of this now coming out doing gigs doing clips with you and that kind of stuff is is, um, it it seems like relative freedom compared to that yeah totally but um, it's all we're all quite tentative with our with our um, movements back into the real world aren't we
0: yeah yeah I mean you know I didn't go through the full you know inner city Melbourne experience that you Mm. did Um, so, so I was you know managed to avoid that a little bit being just outside the metro area but Yeah, definitely got a sense, particularly lockdown two, um, definitely got a sense that people were really starting to struggle. Like lockdown one, it felt like, at the start, there was almost a bit of a novelty factor. There was, yeah, the novelty wore off. off off By the second one, it was starting to get serious. I felt like, you know, yeah, it was dark. Yeah, yeah. So I just hope that we're in a position now where, because there'll be flare-ups and stuff all the time, but hopefully we're in a position where we won't have to go backwards again because... Yeah, you'd
1: you'd think so. Like, given the numbers from New South Wales and Victoria this week, for example, you kind of, fingers crossed, think, well, they can manage it. Yeah, Yeah. It seems like they've got a, a system to manage it. And then, look, overnight, England's gone back into another seven oh, week lockdown
0: man, yeah. <laughs> yeah they've gone through they're going to be locked down again until February, March or
1: something yeah and I guess that's that's the you know the popul- population mass population density it's all relative to each country in Europe and states whatever but mm. we've been blessed in that regard because we haven't suffered as much as other countries but um, yeah look um, I feel I don't mean to sound um, insincere but I feel grateful that I've had the opportunity to get through the year still do what I love mm. make music I've done a few online shows, um, even did some Christmas shows at the corner to a limited capacity seating arrangement, and yeah. it feels a bit more normal. Um, but I think I've enjoyed sort of going back into myself as a guitar player and a songwriter and actually going in, probably like you did in your garage after you've done your album. You go into this no agenda other than mm. to make music you really yeah. like. You know? mm. So, um, yeah. Look, like I said to you before, mate, the only thing I've invested in for 2021 is a good pencil and a good rubber.
0: <laughs> I invested in a pair of tracksuit pants and uh, comfort. Oh, that's the one thing I discovered this year is Same comfortable here, clothing again. And jeez, it's a real game changer well, can for me. Can I just add to that?
1: I've got like four pairs of trackies now. Yeah. <laughs> I found this awesome pair when I was on tour last year just by chance. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're these Adidas trackies that are like the 70s trackies. They're tapered at the bottom. So yeah. I went online in one of my JobKeeper binges and... <laughs> and uh, and um, bought two more pairs of trackies and a pair of Melbourne Victory trackies. I, I'm Because I've got an obsessive nature, <laughs> it manifests itself in the weirdest ways, you know, yeah. like footy jumpers and trackie pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to wear some gig clothes again, mate. Thanks know, for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to get used to wearing jeans again <laughs>
0: after a few months. A um, what is your... what What's your earliest... Either your earliest musical memory as a kid, or the first time where you had a where you had a moment with, that clicked with music, where you thought, "Oh, this is something that I either I, I think I'm good at this, or I, I really love this." I think the
1: first moment was um, watching Countdown, watching right. the suite play Fox on the Run, or the film oh, clip yeah. for Fox on the Run, and. Um, I mean, I'm 50, and I'm still trying to get my hair to look like this sweet. <laughs> that says something. That, that's lasted with me all this time. And I was five at the time. And actually, mum bought us that single, Fox on the Run. Yeah. And to me, that was like the blueprint for everything I love about rock and roll. It's really rockin'. It's poppy.
3: Yeah.
1: It's sassy. But it's not arrogant or pretentious. It's got this right. real good balance of so much about it, Fox on the Run. And that, that was the moment, I think, where I... I saw my brother's guitar and I thought, I'm gonna, I want to play
0: that. But ah, so your brother had a guitar. Yeah, he had a
1: guitar. Yeah, So he was learning it. No, he wasn't no, learning it. It was more appeared. like a piece of furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just plucked it. I remember plucking the low E string. Do you remember that time when you first plucked a guitar?
0: I do. Mm. Um, I was at a friend's place. I used to do dancing. I was in these dance classes when I was a little kid and, um, and there, there was, it was, of course, as you can imagine, it was like, there was only one other boy in the dance class all goes, and after the was dance class once, I went down to this guy's house. He was a year or two older than me. And went to his bedroom he had an electric guitar, a little electric guitar and a little amp, you know. Um, and I'd never touched on a phone one before. And I just remember, like, he plugged it in and it was all distorted and everything. Yeah. And I just remember that first, and the, yeah. and it was just strumming all the open strings. Yeah. And straight away, I was like,
4: oh, this is awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so excited. I would have been like 10 the, or something. Yeah. But just like just that strum and just hearing that sound, it was just so exciting. I remember just... I can still remember it like it was the other day. There you go. Just that feeling of like, ooh, yeah. this is exciting. It
3: well, sounded exciting. so good. It was yeah.
1: Like I mean, that's why we all formed bands, isn't it? Like, <laughs> to, to have that excitement on a regular basis. Yeah. You know? Amidst all the ups and downs of all our um, band's journeys and all that business, like, this actual physical... <laughs> motion of playing a guitar whether it be an acoustic guitar or electric just the, the physical experience is, is is something that we cherish mm. you
0: know so were you self-taught
1: pretty much yeah, yeah. I, I remember we got a a few lessons from the nuns this is how old i am kevin <laughs> from the nuns at school wow. at the primary school um sister deirdre sat us in a circle must have been maybe five or six kids yeah we all sat around in a circle she she was the, it's like, like a classical guitar yeah a little nylon string yeah. she was the you know the singing nun the classic archetypal yeah, yeah. singing nun um, <laughs> and we did a gospel we learned a gospel song Rock My Soul in the Bosom of Abraham and I remember yes I remember that song I remember playing it to mum on the phone she was still at work and I got back from school I said mum I learned this song and it's got two chords in it and I played it to her over the phone that's, that's how excited I was to have learned a song wow
0: yeah so that was the first song you remember Yeah, learning? Rock My Soul, yeah. and then Rock from, My Soul in the bosom of Yeah, <laughs>
1: and from then I was <laughs> trying to learn Kiss songs, so... Yeah, right.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what, so what year would this... Uh, we're talking
1: dis- mid-70s, like... Psst. Well, I had my epiphany with The Sweet at 75, but I think I probably started playing, you know, probably around 77, 78, 79, and then I was fully into Kiss and then Led Zeppelin and then everything kind of splitted off from there.
0: And what about getting into, like, forming your own bands or um, going from making that leap towards, like, actually performing on stage and doing gigs and stuff? When did that start? uh,
1: That kind of started at secondary school. I went to St. Bernard's in Essendon and a few of my mates were into music. And I went to a couple of mates' garages and we did a few songs. And then I don't know how I managed to rustle up the gumption to do this, but I entered the... Talent contest a few a few years in a row, yeah. and it wasn't a competition. It was more like just a showcase of kids right. who did other things. Because yeah, by yeah. that point in the mid '80s, I'd given up footy and basketball because I wasn't physical enough. And then um, I did this talent contest playing Three Zeppelin songs with my mates Simon and Shane. Uh-huh. And some older guys were in it, yeah in the school hall and they saw me play and they they asked me to join their band. And that was Francis Leach, mm-hmm. ah. Matt Cotter, who's now still yeah, here, yeah. and Dave Roland. So. That was eighty-five. So I've been playing with Matt Cotter for thirty-six years. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. So we joined a band called. We formed a band called The Swarm, which played a few covers to start off. You know, the Clash, and a bit of um Hootie Gurus, a lot of Hooter Gurus, um, Sex Pistols, Beatles, and then yeah. we started writing our own songs. And we were all very into post-punk, like The Smiths, Susan and the Banshees, uh, yeah. REM, all that kind of stuff. So Sam was a bit of a hybrid of that, um, and we started playing. So my first pub gig was when I was 16, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then from then on, that, that's it. I was just off and running. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What was your first rock and um, roll show?
0: It was... Uh, well, at the first time I ever played in front of people was um, on the last day of year 12. Uh, Chris from Jebs and myself, um, with, along with an, uh, a girl from our year playing drums and a guy leg guitar. Chris played bass. Yeah. I okay. sang and played rhythm so We we performed a, a song by the Smashing Pumpkins today.
3: Today, it's like <laughs> <is> the
4: greatest <laughs> day have <laughs> ever known. Yeah.
0: To the whole school, and um, and you know, the the we got a very I mean the audience response was probably far exceeded <laughs> what was warranted. <laughs> That's great. But, um, but it, that was, um, I think that was the first time, yeah. But got kind a of you got a, bit a, bit of a
3: sniff,
0: you <laughs> got a bit of a sniff, yeah. And then, um, you know, desperately wanted to form a band, but didn't do it, and then formed Jebed a few months after, but would have only been two months after that. Yeah. Um, started Jebs um, and then just played again a school thing, and, a, and then a band competition and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome. But, but yeah, like. Uh, before that and we were talking a little bit earlier about the smoke I was telling you about how the uh, smell of the smoke machine reminded me of all ages gigs at the Groben Hotel but yeah for about during year 12 I think maybe I think it was mainly in year 12 that's when I sort of started going to all ages shows in Perth uh, with Chris and Ness from Jebs and other friends and the big day out and stuff like that Um, and that was a that was I think going to gigs and seeing bands like UMI and Magic Dirt, Tumbleweed, had all these massive, they were huge all yeah. ages shows, you know. Um, well, the Grover and Backroom, you know, might have been a few hundred kids, but then I've seeing seen Tumbleweed. You know, there must have thousands of kids there. Yeah. And I think those experiences were what really started to get the idea in my head that I get just that feeling of like, oh, maybe, maybe I could do that, you know. Um, there was something very relatable, but yeah. I think particularly of seeing Australian bands, like, mm you know, I was really into Nirvana and stuff like that, but they may as well, may as well have been from outer space, Absolutely, you know? Yes. Like, it was just a real alien kind of thing. Yeah. But when you saw, like, a band like Tumbleweed or UMI play, um, even though they were from the Eastern States and that still seemed like a long way away for a Perth kid as a teenager, there was something relatable and accessible about it. It's Absolutely. like, oh, you know, they're not like me, but they're kind of, you know, they're Australian and, I don't know, it just seemed like they gave me the idea that there was something to aspire to there. And I, I'm with you on that. I, mm. I felt
1: the same when I saw Umi. Mm. I mean, I'd been in a band for about five years before even formed, but Matt and I stuck together and did some demos. but I saw Umi one night at the Tote, supporting the Hummingbirds on a Sunday night. So I think it was the last yeah, show sure. of a tour. Like okay. back in the day, bands would come and play two or three shows in town. And yeah, yeah. Hummingbirds played awesome. late, but Umi came on and um, Timmy had orange cords on. <laughs> Flared cords, yeah, yeah. blunnies, S G, some kind of cool T shirt and just, <laughs> just being Tim and this is like yeah. in the at the sort of in the midst of the shoegazing kind of ride, yeah, slow yeah. dive, lush, yeah kind of era. I mean Nirvana already come and not come and gone, they'd already broke by that point in ninety three. But um
0: watching you and I was like, This is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Isn't that amazing, like such a cool legacy for a band to have. Mm. Because I think that they had that effect on a lot of a lot of people in, in, during that time. Absolutely,
1: they, they mm. were astonishing. Experience seeing like mm. UMI, mm. I guess, also because they hit all the musical buttons that I responded yeah, to. Yeah, you know, I loved Tumbleweed as well, but they were more more in that sort of blue cheer kind of heavy, deep purpley kind of s- mode, which I wasn't. Mm. As in line with as I was with UMI, so it was like mm. just
0: yeah. Um, so I can relate to you probably a bit later, but I'm um. because for me all that stuff was kind of almost brand new. I was kind of almost like a clean slate because it was just I just it was just discovering Triple J and that's how I discovered those bands and yeah. then that's how it led to going to the gigs. Um, so it was all kind of new to me. Yeah, you know, like and it's funny looking back and just thinking I was you know total grunge kid, um, but loved UMI who weren't really doing. That, that you know, they have a, a kind of pr- quite a sort of punky kind of attitude, but mm. yeah, the music wasn't really in that world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then tumbleweed, yeah, like I guess we're pretty heavy for my taste and stuff, but yeah, I just loved it all. It was yeah. all it was all new, was absolutely all brand new, to yeah. new to me. And I was only like yeah, like said fifteen or sixteen or whatever, and so very ripe for. Yeah, very impressionable absolutely
1: well (laughs) well, speaking of impressionable my first major concert impression was Midnight Oil in 1984 so I was 14 and that combined with listening to Countdown for the 10 years leading up to that and being into Kiss and all that stuff seeing a live concert on that scale was just
0: mind blowing like Mm. Midnight Oil in 1984 they would have been pretty um, I've seen footage of them at that time and it was really aggressive it was
1: amazing it was a Red Sails period and um you know they were they were on the on the up, you know, yeah, like, yeah. as a band who were garnering a massive following around the country. And if you see that film in you know, all 1984, you you realise what a phenomenon they become because they were mm. playing tennis stadiums and the and the entertainment centre in Melbourne. They'd gone yeah. from this pub experience to this stadium, Aussie stadium band. You know, yeah. it, was, it was amazing, Incredible. and that still resonates with me. That experience, that feeling of hearing a, a bass drum or a bass guitar hitting you in real time at a concert, mm, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, that, that set me on, on my path, to be honest, uh, in, probably in a similar way, you're going to your all-ages shows, you know, like, mm. cause I, was, I was a teenager and by pure chance that we got to go, my cousin was, a, was working at the entertainment centre, he got yeah, some right. tickets and yeah. next thing you know, it's all on, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Alright, well thank you
1: very much,
4: Ash, for, uh, hey, thanks for having jumping
0: been, in, in here on this. Uh, my, uh, Pod caves. I quickly great. set up. This is real commando stuff. I'm, I'm into it, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm
3: all for it. All right.
0: Well, um, we're gonna go back to uh, marming See you on the set. marming a song. She's <laughs> like. <laughs> Flem Dog,
5: yeah, Flem Dog,
0: yeah, as we all know. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, um, yeah. and thank you for being here in Castlemaine at the
5: Bridge Hotel to so, uh,
0: this video. Have you been in video clips before? Um, because you're playing, you've got your own gumboot. Yeah, own yeah,
5: gumboots. It's a pretty low-fi arrangement gumboot, and it's very. Um, very basic um you know we'll just take an iphone and go into a paddock and film something that's about yeah, it for wow, us well, and you can you can do that
0: now you, you know you can
5: yeah well you, you can do that these days <laughs> um, yeah yeah because
0: yeah, well, um, on the last on the born yesterday video clip there's a bunch of footage on there that i took on my iphone um and then you just give it the effect of a, a super 8
5: yeah well that's well, uh, right. Arlo. um the guys directing uh this clip um said that that was a way that he, he was able to sort of gel everything together mm. you know using which is amazing now you can just mm. use iphones yeah. and there was a combination of professional equipment and iphones yeah. and it turned out really well it was totally was
0: yeah it. the quality of what just that little device now the quality yeah. that you can get out of those things now is insane yeah, that's amazing um, so yeah i mean which is probably the sort of thing that film filmmakers hate because it's probably the equivalent of music of like you know Every kid having like Garage Band, and so
4: <laughs> no one needs studios
3: anymore.
5: <laughs> he was saying it was a bit of a shame to sort of degrade the footage yeah. to the point where it all gelled together, but that's cool. That's you know, and it's kind of what you have to do now when you're making clips. You know, with mm. everything being so expensive and, and, and difficult, the higher level you go yeah. with everything, so you got it. Yeah, you got yeah, to do it. You got to be resourceful. So
4: yeah,
0: and you, and often you know in those circumstances. Um, you know, it's it can often produce more creative kind of results because as soon as you pr- put these kind of limitations on, I think the same thing in the studio. You know, if you're limited to what you, ha- your, if your resources are limited somewhat, you don't have access to anything you want. It does force you to be more creative. You know,
5: for sure, you're not in, you're no longer limited to the technology. Mm. You mm. can do whatever you want, um, and. With Gumboot, I mean, we did a clip once where we needed a green screen, so we took a blue tarp and we color, we chroma keyed it to yeah the right. blue. It looked terrible, but it did, the, it did the job. You know, it looked really trashy, but that was fine. That's what we <laughs> wanted. So, yeah, and it's and it's just fine now. It's yeah. just it's it's pretty sweet.
0: What? Uh, tell me what your earliest musical memory is.
5: Um, I remember living in Brunei when I was about five five years old so your dad
0: was working as a was your dad an engineer yeah he was working
5: as an engineer and we the family relocated there for a couple of years and um I mean I had musical memories before this, um, I think I had a, a John Williamson cassette or something. But, yeah. but but one that sticks in my mind is is uh, Pressure Down by John Farnham oh, cassette. Yeah. You know, <laughs> on the everyone knows that on, song on yes. the Sony hi fi system. Yes. You know and that was just well, that would have, was that from Whispering Jack or Was did that come after? Whisper I think Jack? it well. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not too sure about that. I don't. I don't know the Farnham Canon that well, probably well, as well as I should.
0: But can you? So what are your? So what was it about uh, Pressure Down? Was it just uh, sort of omnipresent at the time, or was there something particular about it that got I, a young James Fleming's heart racing?
5: Uh, well, you know, well you know, got, uh, all the synthesizers and the and the, and the Hirschfelder um, arrangement yes. on it. Yeah, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's all very exciting stuff, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just omnipresent at the time. And it yeah. was a cassette that we had, and yeah. I was allowed to play with the hi-fi system. That was a, like, yeah. one of the things I was allowed to do. So yeah. that was... Yeah, I think I just got used to it. and <laughs> Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I, I can't say I had a, an incredible musical upbringing. I never yeah. owned any Beatles records or anything like that. Or, so you did know. your
0: parents have sort of a fairly humble record collection or tape uh, collection? I think
5: you? Mum had a pretty good record collection that okay. she sold in the 80s because... Okay everybody just thought that, you know, vinyl wasn't right. really going to be a thing when yeah, the compact so disc came in. Yeah, was, you know, right. So, yeah, that all disappeared. And I think Dad probably did have a good collection as well, but that was mm. all gone by the time I came along. Yeah, so, right. you know, I had to start again from, like, oh, I don't know, like Super Tramp and, like, yeah. you know, like, That's well, I was finding, like, yeah, start, I but. guess I was finding, like, 5 and $6 dollar records around the place. Yeah. At Dixon's Recycled, I think I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, rummaging through. So, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing as foundational as the Beatles. It was all sort yeah. of like you know other stuff, and then I came to all that later. When which I think you,
0: you were similar. I think when we're. did you come? Yeah, well, that's true, true I, you know, I can all through my life I can remember the Beatles' music being around. I can remember be, learning song, you know, it being in songbooks when I was learning guitar. Mm. I can remember hearing the songs on the radio all the time. I can remember you know it's not Beatles, but um, I remember in school in year four or something in my class singing Imagine at a school assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember in high school going around to my mate's place and he had just bought the um, the greatest hits seat at those, um, you know the red and blue ones where they're looking over the balcony window? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. It's like the, one's yeah. an early part of their career. Anyway, he had both those double albums I remember listening to. It. So I had all these experiences with the Beatles throughout all my life, but it wasn't until my early 20s where I just had that no. moment. Where yes. With a record, and it was with um, uh, Rubber Soul, mm. where it clicked. I was, You know, I was just... this. I, I didn't even know why I bought the record in the first place, but obviously I was just in the mood for going, oh, I'll just want to listen to some Beatles. But anyway, mm. something shifted, and I just became obsessed and had to listen to all of it. And yeah. So, yeah, quite late in life. But, I, but yeah, I think because it, it's always around, and so there's a familiarity there. Mm. And I, oh, I can remember sort of having that... Having that um, experience of going, oh fuck! Oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this song. Yeah. Oh my god, I love the Beatles, and I didn't even know it. You anyway. sort of
5: absorbed it somewhere, yeah, and yeah. it's just it just pops up again when you listen to the song, or, or deconstruct the song as well. Yeah. A Beatles song sometimes they, as complex as they are, they sort of the arrangements sort of play themselves. at yeah. sometimes if you yeah, if yeah. just had it in your mind, you know. But so um, how did
0: you come come? How did you come to fall in love with the Beatles?
5: Um, well, for me. Um, Friend of mine, Davy Lane, um, and I were doing um, some stuff together, and uh, he invited me to. Actually, I think he was playing with you at the time. Yeah. Guitar. I didn't know Davy before he um, was playing with you, and uh, we became pretty good friends. And he was. Um, he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to see this this film. Um, it's called It's called Rock Show, um, and the Wings thing." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know much about Paul McCartney, but it sounds good." Changed my life. I wow. went to this Wings rock show thing at, like, Cinema Nova or something, I think yeah. it was, and it was just, like, you know, McCartney with the sort of, like, turbo mullet yeah. and the, the Rick and backer bass, and he yeah. was just neck dancing everywhere. It was just... Actually, it changed my life. So I, I I loved, loved the, the Wings the songs I heard, and then I started delving into the back catalogue right. of McCartney. So and then I right. sort of came in from the side, from the Wings Because
0: I've never gone off on the Wings. I love John Lennon's solo stuff. Yeah. Um... But I've never gone hard on the on the Paul McCartney solo stuff journey. But th- th- having said that, there's a bunch of songs of his solo stuff that I love, mm. and I n- I'm sure that if I went there, it's, I would a, probably it's sort of really like a time really
5: thing as well. Those yeah. are it? because it's like it's it's quite a deep dive into yeah. into McCartney and Wings. But um, but there's some great stuff like McCartney too. It's a pretty groundbreaking mm. sort of you know, slightly electro type of record, and mm. there's some great songs on that. Um, and then really just learnt more about the Beatles through trying to deconstruct the songs when mm. we started doing, um, like, Davey Lane ended up putting a Beatles um, show together with right, some guest course, singers. Yeah. And, and that's when we started to deconstruct the songs mm. and you actually work out how, how great they are. So you, know? you, did, um, what Be- you did
0: a Beatles album, Abbey Road, was
5: it? Yeah, what? we did Abbey Road most recently, um, which was, you know, so a set of, of the record in its entirety. In it, yeah. Yep. And then um, the second set was just, like, some, you know... Some some cuts that yeah, people yeah, right. would know. Um, so, uh, but the first time around, we did a sort of a, a collection of Beatles songs and just had guest singers. So, mm. I think Deborah Deborah Conway was doing um, was was on that, and um, Steve Kilby from the Church oh, and wow. a couple of other. So yeah, we just had guests coming through. But mm. but the last one was sort of just a, a solid core band, mm. um, and we just with um with uh, Linda Bull um, singing, featuring. Oh sweet, and that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's where I, I learned more Beatles and kind of had to yeah. start delving into it. So, yeah.
0: When um, did you pick up an instrument and what was your first instrument?
5: First instrument was a, um, a little kawaii battery-powered keyboard that the Dad bought oh, home yeah. and he's like, you're going to learn to play 12-bar blues. And so we worked on that for a couple of weeks yeah. and um, and that, that was the start of it. And then I got a piano and started playing in concert bands at school and started you know, okay. playing at home. There was yeah. I was lived on a farm, so there wasn't much to do. It was like Whereabouts was the farm? I was in Glenmaggie, so in uh, East Gippsland, okay, near uh, uh, Hayfield, oh, yeah, okay. sort of area. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um yeah, there wasn't there really wasn't anything to do. It was just like I, I and I had this like I think I remember Dad actually bought back a, a cassette of like honky tonk piano oh, music, right. and okay. I would, like, put that on, and I'm like, fuck, I want to do that. Yeah. But I couldn't, you know, because <laughs> I was. You know, an idiot. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't a gifted musical genius. I had well, about, to sort of. So, how old were oh, you? I was might. about sort of seven or eight, oh, okay, I think, yeah, when I started so listening. Young. Yeah, well, yeah, but I wasn't getting any better. I was just like plateauing. But, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I think over time, I mean, I had to, when I started playing in bands, I had to teach myself how to play chords and how to read chord charts and stuff yeah. like that. Couldn't read music, I had to do it by ear. But yeah. just had to, to learn how to mm. speak the language because mm. you have to do that in a band, right? Yeah, or yeah, just like you know, nobody knows what's going on, so yeah, yeah.
0: So you never had to, you know? Uh, did you ever have lessons? Or
5: for for a little while, yeah. Actually, I had a really good piano teacher in um, in primary school, um, and she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I she realised early on I wouldn't be able to read music, but she'd play <laughs> a piece, and I was like. Can you show me how to play that? And she yeah. was patient enough to actually let me watch and kind yeah, of show me how to play the, the yeah the song. Yeah. So yeah, got into a little bit of that. But beyond once I got into high school, I really sort of gave up on the on the lessons. So yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but,
0: uh, um, and then when did you first start to um, perform? I and mean, your what was your first uh, live performance? Was it something at school or?
5: Uh, yeah, I think concert bands in, in primary school. And then um, it not really not much in high school at all because it all became jazz bands and, and classical bands and stuff like that. And I didn't really fit in with any of that. So when I moved to Melbourne for uni when I was about 18 or 19, I think I started to play okay. in, in, in bands. Yeah. But, but the occasional thing like a wedding cover right, band yeah, or something, yeah. you know, like everyone does, yeah. you know, but it wasn't... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was a good introduction. You know, <laughs> so that was important. So, yeah.
0: But and what it. about now? What stuff are you? I mean, obviously we've had a um, shocker of a a year. Um, what? How did twenty twenty kind of uh, treat you? How? Uh, um, you, was, what, what are some mi- of your memories or yeah, takeaways from it?
5: Musically, um, not not great. No. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> like a lot a lot of people. But um, I think I mean the best thing of the year was doing the record that, that we did together yeah. um in Sound Park that was
0: because yeah you know. it was, we, as i've said before in this podcast um we made that record in the first couple of weeks of march and and that was it pretty much coincided with when everything went upside down you know like mm-hmm. we, i just finished that record in time really i mean if that if that studio time had been scheduled just a few weeks later wouldn't have happened probably never would have happened yeah. and wouldn't have and would have spent the whole year without being able to do anything mm-hmm. oh, it's been awful anyway yeah um, so yeah so since then um, have you been able to um, do any shows or uh, been doing any recording or writing
5: uh, it's been it's been really quiet I suppose when I say I mean 2020 musically probably was actually I have to admit was probably one of the better years because um, we did an Abbey Road tour early in the year and we got that out of the way and yeah. then we went straight into your record yeah. and it's just a, been a shame since you know March that we haven't done anything yeah. but um just trying to write and record a little bit of my own stuff um i've got a band gumboot um and we sort of you know try and you know get stuff out well we haven't put anything out for a long time but we try and jam as much as we can and 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 record um but i'm thinking this year 2021 we'll probably put out another round of songs so yeah we've got songs sitting there we just haven't released so Yeah. yeah we'll put out an ep another ep and keep plugging along
0: all right well people have to check out gumboot um let's uh, pop back out and see where this uh, clip is headed thank you very much uh, my my pleasure my pleasure in the in the Bob Cast Cave (laughs) hastily (laughs) set up (laughs) backstage at the Bridge Hotel
5: a lot of my favourite colour burgundy in here and a lot of soft furnishings it's really very lush it is beautiful beautiful All All alright thank you
0: Richard Brad, the uh, bass player extraordinaire, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's very
6: flattering to be invited on.
0: <laughs> we're we're uh, backstage at the uh, the Bridge Hotel in Castle Main where we're shooting a video clip. We've we're sort of well, this is the first beer of the day. Yeah, you know, well, so cheers, cheers, Kevin. Cheers. We're uh, we've made it to uh, well, it's mm. past lunchtime, really, isn't it? So um, yeah, just. And um how does it feel to be miming to a song for hours on end?
6: <laughs> <laughs> it feels incredibly enjoyable to be doing it with you and Ash
0: I, and Jimmy and Locke. I got to um, say I was um I mentioned before um good to get out of the house to be honest. Right, is it a bit like that? Um, well, you know, obviously it's has been. been uh we're all, all of us uh, are Melbourne or Victorian based. Um are you feeling now um is there, a, you know, a real kind of need to, to get out of the house as a as a result of the last year?
6: There is certainly the extroverted drive
0: to mm, get out for me. Yeah.
6: You know, last time I was out of the house was probably when we were recording an album together. Right. Other than going to the shops.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cr-
6: in my I mean, five kilometer radius yeah how,
0: how have you <laughs> how have you coped over that seriously i mean because you um, know even just just as we talk about it, i mean because it's i'm not in melbourne i'm in ocean grove but i mean i barely i think between sort of april and october i mean i barely left the outskirts of july i live on the outskirts of geelong in ocean grove but i think i only went into melbourne once or Twice in that time to do little, uh, to do the sound was one of them, which I think you did as well. Yep. But anyway, like, it's, it's just, it's such a, even just thinking about it now, having just so recently gone through it, it's such a full on concept. Um, what we've been through, how, yeah. did, how did you manage with it?
6: Uh, I started learning Mandarin. Uh, <laughs> you serious? <laughs> I, I did, I traded guitar lessons for. A bit of Mandarin, and then I made veggie gardens on the nature strip for all my neighbours. Okay. And then lockdown round two. was going to do a recording with Vicar and Linda Bull and some other things. And, oh, of course. And then round two happened, and I didn't make any veggie patches for anyone. I right. didn't learn any Mandarin, didn't do any recordings, mm. and just went down a US politics wormhole, which is right. no healthy not healthy for anyone
0: yeah well I mean it's hearing you talk about that it's interesting because it illustrates what I've thought and said before um, was my experience what I felt was the experience of other people between you know version 1 and version 2 of the lockdowns Mm. you know Ash and I were talking earlier about how in version 1 there was still a bit of a novelty factor you know and we were all kind of you know making jokes about um, I mean we we started a, a, a herb garden as well in our backyard and you know the jokes about making sourdough and all that sort of stuff. But second version, yeah, there was none of that. Nothing's as good second start. time round. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: true. It's
0: true. What do they say? Like the um, the this. part two, the uh, part two of Melbourne lockdown sucked. It was. It, yeah, was, it was nothing terrible. on the original. No, not at all.
6: <laughs> um, how'd you go, Bob? Um,
0: yeah, look, um, oh, it was just really up and down. Mm. I guess is the only way to describe it. I mean. I went through period... I, I definitely recognised there were stages, particularly the second time round, and I didn't have it as bad as you did in Melbourne, but definitely had stages where um, I was feeling really unmotivated. like yeah. Not just unmotivated to do work stuff and creative stuff, but unmotivated to do anything, mm, yeah. you know, because there were just some days um, where it just felt like, oh, what's the point, you know? And, and I also spent a lot of time, 20 weeks nearly... Um, homeschooling the kids so that took a big chunk of the Ooh. year um, yeah. my wife continued to work go to work so um, that
6: sounds difficult I had to was, teach students once a week Box Hill okay. TAFE via Zoom or whatever Okay, which was my one weekly activity um, amidst the fog but mm. I can't imagine how you went uh, Their primary school age children. Yeah, 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 I would say yeah, grade one and grade three last year. Yeah.
0: Um, do you know how to
6: do basic multiplication, division,
0: like, well, or subtraction? Uh, look, a lot of stuff came back to me. Fortunately, mm. they're at an age where um, it's not terrib- It's not terribly complicated, but um, but no, there was other stuff where, like, I didn't know the answers to stuff. I had to help mm. them out. But yeah, I mean, it was um, it was difficult. But look, you know, it wasn't that bad. I mean. There were times too when I would sometimes look myself in the mirror and just think, "You look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, this, this, this lockdown has aged you terribly." Well, I don't
6: know whether it's the lighting backstage here, but you look gorgeous well, to it's me. It's probably because so. I just had a
0: haircut, so I feel a little, okay. little feel a little bit fresher. But um, but yeah, there were times where I, I just felt, yeah, I, I did try and instigate some sort of healthy habits to try and offset the unhealthy ones as well. But um, but yeah, I guess you know, look, hopefully that's all in the rear view mirror now?
6: Yeah, well, until the next pandemic. <laughs> Have you ever played the board game Pandemic? No. Okay. Uh, I've had it for a few years. It's a board game. And and it is sucks.
0: Is it old or new? Uh,
6: it's an award-winning game from maybe five, six years ago. I'm not sure Okay, someone so can correct me. But uh, um, it's very difficult. It's a collaborative game so you're all working together playing against okay. the well, board. Well, that in
0: itself sounds interesting because yeah. it goes against what we
6: I'm a lot better at it now, having lived through a pandemic. It right. all makes sense. So, did
0: the game? So, the game didn't give you any any um, extra, you know?
6: No, but the real life experience helped with the game. No, right, interesting. Okay. So even when you're setting up the board, why on earth is this uh, the main uh, research center in Atlanta, Georgia? Now we know that that's where the CDC <laughs> in the states is based. Okay, you know what? What's a uh, contingency expert? I
0: got no idea. So in yeah. the in the board game, does it always start in the same place or? Uh,
6: no, you, you draw cards and it infects areas and it grows exponentially.
0: Um. Yeah. Wow. I. I, I think we all need knew. a little
6: break before we try playing <laughs> <laughs> the game again. Um, there were no talk- tears in my family for Christmas, but they're, they're <laughs> almost um, almost tears when we're playing that game.
0: Um, tell me, Rich, what's your earliest musical memory is? okay
6: um, the I think the first song I remember liking uh, which, having listened to it recently, I'm not sure what resonated to like <laughs> four-year-old me. Okay, yeah. Uh, but it was Dirty Boulevard, track three off Lou Reed's album
0: New York. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that's um, that's pretty serious music for a four-year-old.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: for a four-year four-year-old. Um, I mean, I was when I was four, I was still listening to Sesame Street soundtrack yeah. and uh, maybe a bit of um, Michael Jackson and, but and maybe some Kiss.
6: I don't think there are any. Well, neither for you but it I didn't really watch Sesame Street it was for me that was scarier than Lou Reed <laughs> um, play school was too naff um, the Wiggles and the Holy Doolies didn't exist well, how did Lou Reed, um,
0: so how did uh, Lou Reed come into your life
6: then is it your parents record? well it? yeah my parents were listening to it but my dad, you know isn't even huge on Lou Reed like they obviously had the album they liked it and that's why I heard it but um you know, just doing the maths. It should have been the Stones uh, right. coming from Dad or yeah. like Bruce Springsteen or Steve Harley coming from Mum. Right. But, uh, yeah, it ended up... Lou Reed was what resonated for me at that age. And and then I pretty much just liked all the stuff my parents liked, a bit of Tom Petty,
0: Stones, Well, yeah, sounds we like big on parents Ramones. Were, sounds um, like your parents were pretty m- big music fans then.
6: Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Well, and they then I heard Nirvana and, and then I started asking them or- awkward questions like, what does incesticide mean? Oh, right. <laughs> well, Richard, it's a play on words. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> well, how old were you when you got into Nirvana? Because obviously you're quite a bit younger than me. So Yeah, I
6: was like you... nine or ten. So okay. I was
0: about 96. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do you remember when Kurt died?
6: No, but it wasn't, I guess it was like two years after, but we had just got the internet. Like, friends just had the internet, not my family. But you'd go to friends' houses, and you could look up, like, Nirvana trivia and facts without having to go to the library and tabs, you know. And suicide. Now, you knew knew his suicide note off by heart when I was like
0: 11. I had no idea
6: what it meant. um, I also,
0: too, just remember, you know, the image of... Mm him just that sort of leg with the converse shoe that was like a black yeah. and white image that a photographer took from a way out in the street probably with a massive lens um mm. i don't know but that photo got circulated widely you know well
6: i got the rolling stone kurt cobain book when i was about that age that has those pictures in there mm. and when my parents saw that they confiscated it mm. um and I think they re-gifted it to me on my sixteenth birthday or something. By which time I was a jazz snob and wouldn't oh. go, you know, near Nirvana with a ten-foot pole. When did you? Um,
0: was bass guitar your first instrument, or when did you pick uh, up I did an guitar? Instrument?
6: And then I saw the Living End when I was about twelve. Yeah, and I was like, I'm going to play double bass. No way. And stand on it, and that's what I did at uni. Did double bass, right? Um, a jazz thing at Box Hill. TAFE and Victorian College of the Arts, and then I can't. I still love it, but I still like it a lot. But I fell out of love with it, right?
4: And
6: it was like, What do I actually love? And it was all those old records that I was listening to when I was a kid, yeah. Right, so you so went like, back, let's to, go back there, yeah, interesting. Many of which, uh, as you know, were your albums. <laughs>
0: ah, well, that
6: is <laughs> I did have a subscription to Recovery magazine, <laughs> the first magazine I subscribed to. Oh, and really? had it? stickers and posters
0: of uh, <laughs> Jebediah on I the wall. think I had a subscription to Recovery for a while. I think it was um, gifted to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Because we, yes, in those early years we were, Jeb and I were in that magazine quite a few, t- quite a lot. And we knew all the people who wrote for it and they, were, they all f- became friends. and Yeah. So I think I ended up, one of them just sort of gave me a free subscription to it as a, oh, as a favour. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but it sounds like, yeah, your parents had good taste in music. And so um, obviously from an early age, there was, um, that sounds like they instilled a new quality
6: yeah, well, I, I think my dad vicariously lived music through me in that right. way. He was a visual artist. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he uh, certainly encouraged me. Um, yeah, that's great. And then, you know, for his um, 60th birthday... 60th? No. 70th. Mate, no, it must have been Father's Day, like 69th birthday, around that time. mm uh, He'd been writing poetry and some songs. I was like, all right, here's your present. Day in the recording studio with yeah. me and some friends and put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Or me putting me and my sister's money like where his mouth is. But he loved it. Now he's done an album. So. You're kidding me. Yeah, That's no, amazing. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, the leopard being able to change his spots at some point uh, was the greatest gift.
0: That's awesome. The yeah. Do they? Um, do your folks uh, come and see you play much?
6: Uh, I used to actively discourage them <laughs> when I was smoking cigarettes. Yeah, and, you didn't want, you know, yeah it's a bit too much. Drinking heavily, I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want them to see this. And yeah, uh, that's really uncool. And and now that uh, you know, not smoking and live a little bit better. Yeah, I'm like, you know, you can still you can come and. Watch me play. <laughs> yeah. They come sometimes, yeah.
0: I guess um, I was the same when I first started out, um, but now you know my mum, you know, comes to see me because I guess the opportunities are rare. She's in Perth, so was just to yes. go play in Perth, which might only happen you know two or three times a year. Mm. Um, um, but but yes, I was very much the same. It's it's you. There's only so much of the the world of your world that uh, you maybe want to.
6: Yeah, want to share with <laughs> mum and dad. <laughs> We've had plenty of each other. Maybe we don't need more. No, but sometimes you are proud, and you know, like a lot of parents, they get excited if you're on TV. Yeah,
0: or there are these like markers. Like yeah, that. it's like there are these real-world markers. I've noticed that with my, you know, with my mom and, and dad. You know, when he was still alive, there are these real-world markers that um, because because it can be quite difficult. It's not necessarily an easy thing for parents to necessarily understand. I mean, look, mm. they they get that you're playing music in this band, but if it's music that that they that comes from a place that they that they don't necessarily understand, or if it's an industry that they don't understand or whatever, it can sometimes seem. I can see how confusing it must be. Mm. Um, like what, you know, but things like there are these markers of l- legitimacy, right, in yeah. the mainstream world, in the outer world. So things like, you know, for me, it was like when we got signed to a major label, it was like, oh, you know, so, so well, Sony are like a real proper music company, so <laughs> they're, if they're signing you, well, then that, it must be legit, or like yeah. being on, at the ARIA Awards. It's like yeah. they see that as kind of they're these legitimate sort of yeah. things that they, it makes sense. And it's something I can
6: tell their neighbours and their friends, they yeah. understand
0: too. Um,
6: yeah, yeah it, it's a funny
0: one. because I, Because with... Without that stuff, sometimes, you know, family or even extended family or friends or whatever can be a little bit, like, it's hard to get your head around the professional side of it. It's like, a, yeah, you know, what have you been doing? Oh, you know, I'm playing the band, doing this. this. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, but what do you do? What's your day job? Like, well, yeah. No, no, that's that's actually... Yeah, no, but what do you actually do? Uh, like but you try. say
6: Sony, you say <laughs> the Arias, and then they're like, oh, so you, you yeah. You know. Do music not like are you doing the music <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. still doing the uh the
0: music
6: <laughs> thing yeah.
0: Well, yeah now it's kind of like you know having done it for so long now I, it's more likely to get stuff like are you still enjoying
4: it you know? <laughs> <laughs> sort of yeah. thing, like, you're still doing do me? you have
6: superannuation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like i'm a musician i can't pronounce a word with that many <laughs> syllables come on
0: so, um, we should probably get back out there. And um, thank you for uh, for uh, jumping on the podcast, Rich. And um, it's a pleasure, Bob. Hopefully, um, hopefully we get to play some real life shows where we don't mind, where we actually play our instruments for real. Yeah, at yeah. A, at a venue,
6: there will be a lot more mistakes. For <laughs> me, but <laughs> I'll, I'll slip and slide my humble. way in and out of them. So. you being very
0: humble. Um, thanks heaps, Rich.
7: For doing this.
6: No problemo. Let's get back to it. I'd
7: eh? to you. Pedro lives out of the Wilshire Hotel. He looks out a window without glass. The walls are made of cardboard. Newspapers on his feet, and his father beats him because he's too tired to beg. He's got nine brothers and sisters. They're brought up on their knees. It's hard to run when a coat hanger beats you on the thighs. Pedro dreams of being older and killing the old man, but that's a slim chance. He's going to the boulevard. He's gonna end up on the dirty boulevard. He's going out to the dirty boulevard. He's going down to the dirty boulevard. This room costs $2,000 a month. You can believe it, man, it's true. Somewhere a landlord's laughing until he wets his pants. No one dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They dream of dealing on the dirty boulevard. Give me your hungry, your tired, your poor, I'll piss on them. That's what the statue of bigotry says. Your poor huddled masses, let's club them to death. and Get it over with and just dump them on the boulevard. Get them out. On the dirty boulevard. Going out. The Dirty Boulevard They're going down On the Dirty Boulevard Going out Outside it's a bright night There's an opera at Lincoln Centre Movie stars arrive by limousine Lachlan O'Kane or Manhattan Welcome to the Bobcast Thank you for having me uh,
0: Drama of the uh, Bob Evans band here yeah. And we are uh, making this clip at the Castle Main, uh, or the Bridge Hotel in Castlemaine. Um, yeah, yeah. uh, Simpsons binge.
2: <laughs> Someone's been
0: talking to you. Yeah, so tell you. us about the Simpsons binge. <laughs> is yeah, this just a twenty twenty COVID thing. It is. Okay, it is well, yeah. lay it on me. I want to hear about
2: I've it. I've had a lot of time in my hands. Um, As we have. Well, I got Disney Plus last year. That's yep. not an ad, um, but it's good. It's really good. Yeah. And it's got all the Simpsons on it. So I thought. So every episode. 32 seasons wow. of. That's phenomenal. I don't know, what, like 20 odd episodes every season? Mm. And um, yeah, I've had a lot of free time. So I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to so watch every episode. A,
0: you're a few years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Did you. So you were. Did you. How long have The Simpsons been around when you started watching? Because I remember being about 12 when it started. Yeah. I it was 89.
2: I think it was 89, but yeah. I don't know when it actually came out in Australia. it, may it was the following been a bit year. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I was born in, what, 88, so I kind of Yes, grew up, right. I grew up with it. I certainly watched
0: hundreds of thousands of episodes when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And, um... So when you've binged it now, are you just catching up on episodes that you missed, or are you literally going from episode one and?
2: I went from episode one. Yeah, wow. I went back. Yeah, how um, far did
0: you go again?
2: I got all the way. I'm, oh my! I'm up to date goodness. on The Simpsons.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, then, having freshly being the only person I know that's done that. And it's still fairly fresh in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are the takeaways? I mean, in terms of quality, what 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 eras were the best, the worst? like what? Yeah, look, I think it was...
2: I tend to agree with people. They say that the 90s was the best. Um, it's still that way, because it still hits me in the nostalgia, mm. the, the 90s stuff.
0: I, I mean, I always thought that as well, but I also thought, too, that it was... You know, in the nineties, there were it was a bit more um, innocent, and perhaps it was easier for the for them to shock. Tricky. Like uh, you look back at some of the stuff they have doing in the nineties now, and it seems totally tame. Yeah, because yeah. other things like South Park and Family Guy, and all those kind of things have come along that have pushed the envelope a lot further, regardless of whether you like them or not. I do. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. No, so, I agree, Yeah. Completely. So maybe it was. A e- so yeah, it's interesting to hear. Yeah, your thoughts on going back to those shows now yeah. that it's so old and
2: I think that's that was a bit of the downfall is that they tried to compete with those shows and try and right. maybe get a bit edgier and it right. just didn't really work for them. Mm. But currently like I'm watching season 32 that's at the incredible. moment it's still going and I reckon it's kind of come back in its stride a little bit oh the, really the animation kind of looks a bit older like the older episodes interesting like, yeah like looser lines
0: not so digitally and straight because then no, I remember those first couple of first few seasons the quality of the animation improved so yeah. quickly, so oh, much. It's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. So were there any periods during the binge session where you were getting a bit bored with it or where you felt like it was getting really flat?
2: Certainly. I kind of almost treated it like um, background music. It was like background right. Simpsons in our house. Just right. like, get up in the morning, <laughs> have your coffee, chuck the Simpsons on, and then, yeah. If it wasn't catching me, I'd go and do something else. But right. it, it was always on in the house. And
0: um, What about favourite character?
2: Favourite character. I like a lot of the... Um, like the sundry kind of characters you know they show up every now and then like yeah hank azaria does a lot of good ones like mo i love mo yeah mo's good yeah mo's good um otto Mm -hmm. stuff like that i don't know chief wiggum's a good one yeah he's always good for a laugh yeah
0: yeah what about um disco stew disco (laughs) stew is great (laughs) yeah i think he's my favorite Absolutely. Peripheral character. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how many episodes he ended up being in. Probably not a handful, maybe. Like yeah.
2: That. I, actually, you'd be surprised. That's oh, another really? one <laughs> of the downfalls. <laughs> they start bringing back those characters <laughs> for more, and it's like, there's a point where it's just too much. Yeah.
0: I just remember <laughs> my favourite uh, Disco Stew moment where it was where uh, The Simpsons are, are at some kind of um, expo or something, and he's got a little stall set up. Yep. He's obviously he's just selling disco, rec- <laughs> selling disco records. And he's just, he's got a graph. Set up, um, yeah. you know, and it's just one of those yeah. generic sort of generic sort of thing that's pointing upwards. And he says something like, uh, you know, uh, d- it's like disco record sales or something. Yeah, yeah. If these trends continue, hey <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's so good. That's what you want. That's all you need out of yeah. it Just a little one-liner, and you're having a great time. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so it hasn't ruined Simpsons, for you or
2: just. It hasn't. No, no that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anything else on Disney Plus while we're while we're uh, plugging Disney Plus? Well,
2: yeah. I mean, Star Wars? Yeah, Star Wars? I'm a big Star yeah, Wars man, yeah. so I had to get it for that. But it's it's just great. It's yeah. really like, I find that with stuff like Netflix and all those other ones, you spend an hour like sitting there going, oh, what am I going to watch? Right, is, yeah, yeah, I'm like, like that too. I wasn't sure if everyone something. was like that. but it No, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it just shits me. And then you don't want to watch anything. Yeah, But Disney, it's like... Oh, let's just put on a movie that I've right. seen okay. ten times and is still good. Yeah. And, yeah, just enjoy it.
0: Because for me, Netflix is rem- is very reminiscent of what I used to be like and why people used to hate going to the video store with me. Because yeah. I'd walk into the video store and I wouldn't... I had to look at every single video or later on DVD before I could make a choice of which one I wanted to hire totally. and take home. Yeah, And absolutely. so I'd be in a store for... I could easily spend an hour in the store choosing, which for yeah. people would drive... Friends... Crazy
2: They're like it's somewhat warranted though because back then like you're paying for that. Yeah. If you make a mistake, you've got it for a it's week. Like you pay like seven bucks, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: it was not or, cheap. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Now the kids can just if they don't like it, they turn it off in five minutes and yeah. just pick something else.
3: So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> let's talk music. What's your um what's your earliest musical memory? My earliest musical memory? Mm.
2: Wow. Um it would probably be Nothing like specific, but just listening to music in the back of the car with my parents, yeah. and just the so radio, like, AM radio, FM radio. Yeah, often radio, but often tapes as well. We okay. had a lot of tapes. Like, yeah. um, obviously, the Beatles were already always on there. Yeah. Um, I remember we had No Jacket Required, Phil Collins. Ah, okay. That always goes. Yeah, is that one go. of his
0: bigger albums? Like, what hits think does so. that have on
2: it? I, sh- maybe like a Susu Studio kind of oh, vibe yes. on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but more along the '60s line of things we would listen okay. to as kids.
0: Yeah. So your parents were sort of big fans of '60s music. Big fans, yeah. Did yeah. they have big? Uh, did they have a record collection? Or they did
2: have, yeah. Oh. I had a record collection, yeah. I was never really allowed to do it because I didn't know how to work the vinyl yeah yeah, yeah yeah but i used to look at the covers and yeah, yeah. i remember there's a jimmy buffett one that
0: probably sucked but had this huge shark on the back
2: yeah. and I was <laughs> like, show me that jimmy buffett one <laughs> yeah.
0: is there a song that you is there a song that kind of comes to comes to mind when you think back to being a little kid on, on a car rides? or <laughs>
2: Ooh, yeah the, the folks would always turn around and kind of like mine the instruments to you from the back and um Anything, that kind of had piano in it, I guess. It was yeah, always like visual, like seeing the fingers go on, yeah. the, on the dashboard. Um, uh, any early Beatles song, yeah, just, yeah, 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 always had that kind of thing in it, yeah.
0: I was thinking just this before talking about oh, Arlo's gonna in there. No, that's no, all good. What is it? Oh, I was gonna say, hey, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do hey, it. I thought we were getting on a call. The podcast now? Yes, yeah. you're in the podcast. <laughs> hey Arlo, who's uh, uh producing the uh video, just popped in. No, you're good. To take <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I was just thinking before about tapes um, did people actually have big cassette tape collections I feel like yeah, they I didn't I feel like weren't. people had big record collections and then tapes came along and then CDs came along and I remember people having really big CD collections yep Yeah. I just totally. don't remember ever seeing anybody with a massive cassette tape collection
2: no when I think of like ones that I owned like ones that I bought when I was you know 12 yeah Californication I definitely had that, and I would okay. spin it back and forth. Maybe,
0: so you were uh, a Chili pepper fan, fan for long? Yeah. You still are a Chili Peppers Big, pepper big fan. Chili. Still are, yeah, yeah. I've got to say, they're one of the bands that I don't like. There is yeah, that's fine.
2: They're yeah. a polarising <laughs> act,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they are polarized, that's true. There are certain songs, certain mm. moments in their career where I've gone, oh, okay, I actually don't mind that. I, I did start to kind of like them when um, John Frusciante came back into the band. Yep. Yeah. At yeah, that totally period are. of time, I thought... I, I guess I, I, I liked the kind of romance of him coming back because I yeah. think he's a brilliant guitarist. Nice, oh, yeah, he's amazing. Um, and I think they had some good songs come out of that period as well. But, yeah, then there's other stuff where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I get that. I, yeah, it's just for me, it was just that band that was there when I was turning 13 and like, yeah. oh, shit, this is cool. This drummer is like... Ridiculous. And, um, Is he
0: one of your drumming heroes? Who are some of your drumming heroes?
2: Yeah, Chad Smith, definitely a drumming hero. Anyone else from around that time, like uh, Taylor Hawkins, Foo Fighters, yep. big one. Um, and then like Dave Grohl, obviously. Just any of the kind of hard hitters. I was big like visual. Like if I, I'd find footage of drummers if they look cool, kind of doing it. Yeah.
3: I, like, I kind <laughs> of
0: want to do that. Yeah. It's interesting be because that. you know you mentioned people like Dave Grohl. <coughs> and um, uh, who's the other one you mentioned? Taylor um, Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins. Folks, yeah. yeah, like, because, yeah, because I, you're drumming, well, well certainly when, you, maybe it's just because I've only really mm-hmm. seen you drum with me, and um, doing my songs, but you're a really nuanced kind of drummer, and Thank not, you. but <laughs> I but I guess you're just, you're um, doing what's necessary for the particular project. Do you, do, do you yeah. work, I know you play with lots of other musicians and stuff, is there other music? that you do with other bands that's like really different to what we do in, in the Bob band
2: Ooh, certainly not like anything like rockier like right. there are no outlets where I get to go full Dave Grohl and yeah. I think I'm okay with that it's, okay. like, it's really nice to, to be able to rein it in and yeah, yeah. have to not to say that they're not musical players but I, at, at this point in my life I like more of a you know playing to the song kind yeah. of thing which again they do but just you know fitting it in a bit more. I've, yeah. I've since discovered bands like, you know, like Wilco and yeah. that kind of um, deep musically. Yeah, Wilco, one of my favourite bands. Yeah, they're just so great. So I just love playing that kind of stuff mm. now. Yeah.
0: When did you come to the drums? Did you, how or
2: Oh, I would have been maybe eight or nine. My old man got like an electronic okay. drum kit yeah. and I didn't have any lessons or anything till I was maybe 15. But so your
0: old man bought an electronic drum kit for you or...? For him, right. yeah, it was for him. Yeah,
2: He'd like to the home studio, and um, but he yeah, right. was like, Yeah, have a go at these, and just played along to records. Probably so. He's yeah. a musician himself, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He used to just do his own home demos and kind of stuff just for fun, but he was always encouraging of us to I get out there and much. just have fun. Because
0: you, you can play other instruments, but um, yeah, yeah. do you consider the drums to be your main instrument?
2: Oh, yeah, certainly. I, I would consider myself just a drummer that right. can play other things, right but I don't I mean I don't know, I'm not booked for any gigs on guitar or anything <laughs> yeah, but yeah. um yeah it's just easy to pick that stuff up around the house pick yeah. the guitar up and play a song sing a song can't really sing along to the drums
0: <laughs> that's true yeah because yeah. my older bro- brother's drummer, drummer yeah, guitar, yeah. and um and yes I remember when he got his first kit um and just learning to play drums and it's just you know well, we had really good neighbours um but it's it is hard, sort of being around having to listen to somebody learning to play drums. Yep. Yeah, it's totally. really tough. Yeah, um, probably on a par with some. Probably someone learning to play, say, the violin or a trumpet or something yep. like that. Like <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think it was just that perfect time in my life that my dad had made this like kind of soundproof studio in the garage wow. and. I got a drum kit and I was like, I can just go down here and just play to records and no one can hear me. Yeah. And I just did
0: that for yeah. years and years. So that's cool. So it yeah. sounds like your family environment is a, would have been a really good, supportive environment. To, yeah, absolutely. To yeah. learn and play play
2: music. Yeah, yeah. I was very blessed with that. Just yeah. encouragement all the way. Yeah. Just go for it and have fun. Yeah. yeah.
0: Was there a moment um, or a time where you, with drums or music more generally where you started to think that it could be something that you did beyond just a hobby that you you could perform I, or record and just
2: yeah I, I think I always had it in mind just right. like I don't know maybe I've always felt that it was a natural thing yeah. and that I just was supposed to do it I mean I'm yeah. not saying I'm good at it or anything but it's you're very good at it
0: (laughs) I'll say it
2: (laughs) thank you I appreciate um but yeah I just always felt like this is what I'm supposed to do so I just kind of Mm. followed it and I did a music degree which is okay got me nothing but a piece of paper but I met a lot of people I met Richie so um, tell me about
0: the music degree so you went into that from high school or
2: yeah straight out of high school I went and did like a jazz course and yeah it's the best thing you can get out of that thing is just meeting people and just right. like you know, getting gigs and. So the te- a lot of the technical stuff you don't draw upon. Uh, maybe uh, the biggest thing I learned from uni was to play softer. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
7: well, that's a good you
4: know.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. A good thing yeah, to learn. yeah. But I, I had some good teachers that were like, they were never super strict. They were just like, hey, let's have a go at this this week and right. just kind of play through it. It wasn't like. Do your homework come back mm. show me what you 've done it was just ideas every single week which mm. is more how I lean towards making music it's just should be organic and just mm. come up with ideas throw them out if they don 't work
0: and mm. play around yeah I wonder if like having a studio set up at home having a dad like have this studio set up at home kind of took away any kind of mystique or kind of fear or whatever or um, around that, yeah. you know, you, perhaps growing up, just seeing the studios, just being just this natural thing that was just down in the garage or whatever that yeah. um, you could access anytime you wanted. Um, maybe, maybe that's the reason why it was all, always sort of in your head that you could do it because Quite,
2: there possibly, wasn't a barrier yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, know? absolutely. That's why I always feel like teaching because I, I don't feel that I've got that in me is to like. Pass on what I know or what I've learned to anyone else, because I yeah. just feel like I kind of just drew it from yeah, from, yeah. from the ether. It's, yeah, just like, yeah. it's just a lucky spin, I guess. Yeah, I think mean,
0: like teaching, I don't think I'm a very good teacher of music. Probably, it's a different, a different, thing 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 different. self-taught, and um, and it's very difficult for me to try and demonstrate or explain yeah. or. Yeah, like what I'm doing exactly. You know, yeah, because because yeah. D- yeah, I just don't have the vocabulary for it for starters. Yep. And yeah, because I self-taught it's very hard to try and um, convey that across to Yeah, exactly, yeah. Else. yeah. My daughter, um, my oldest daughter Ella, she got a guitar for not the Christmas just gone, but the Christmas before yeah. that. Um, and after after a few lessons to trying to teach her, I realised really quickly oh, she's going to be sort <laughs> better <laughs> off relative. Just I've got to find her a teacher. Yeah. We're nearly yeah. Um, I've got to find somebody else to teach it yeah, because yeah. I don't think I can do it in yeah. Yeah, the same sort of similar to with homeschooling it's like um, you know they're better off with a teacher than me not Exactly. A, yeah. for the obvious reasons because they're qualified and I'm not but also too like they're more likely to take it seriously like when it's your parent yeah it is almost good to have that they'll separation. say things like ah I don't feel like I whatever but you know I know yeah. that they don't do that when they're at school you know like, yeah I exactly like, yeah. Ah, I feel like a teacher <laughs>
2: yeah yeah <laughs> it's good it frees you up a little bit you know you can still inspire them maybe and mm. they go to the teacher and learn all this stuff and then maybe they'll come to you and be like hey
0: you yeah, about this yeah. thing here once they've, yeah, once they've now got you started. need me yeah yeah alright cheers Love it. thanks for, Thank for having me for mate being on the podcast. thanks for doing the clip pleasure yeah and um fun. hopefully um Hopefully we'll be playing a real gig soon. We won't have to be a few. Fingers crossed. will be very <laughs> nice. Yeah. Such is like, yeah.